0: periods of time in altered states in which there was no dialogue. Nine and ten minute sequences where Bill Hurt regresses into a tiny ape man and is running around, breaking out of a laboratory and running through the streets and finally ending up in the zoo uh, devouring a gazelle. And all of that has to be told in music.
1: I think you can tell right away as you hear that music and you hear the composer talking about the scene in the film that the music represents that we're not in Kansas anymore. Something weird is definitely going on. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and that was part of a conversation that I had with composer John Corleano in which he described a scene from the movie Altered States, for which he wrote the film score. If you've seen the movie, then you know that that's not even the weirdest scene in the movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's from 1980 by director Ken Russell, and it's really exploring the limits of of human consciousness. It's about a scientist, played by William Hurt, who carries out a series of renegade experiments in the basement of Harvard University. And he builds his own sensory deprivation tank, and he starts taking all of these crazy psychotropic drugs and immersing himself in the tank. And, you know, having a series of hallucinations and just kind of seeing... You know, as, as Jim Morrison would have put it, if you can break on through to the other side, how far can he go? Um, and not only is he exploring the limits of human consciousness, but, you know, as the drugs or the experiences that he's happening, they start to actually have a physical effect on him. And he starts to devolve. He comes out of the tank at one point, and he's this kind of ape-like creature, as we heard John talking about. Um, at another point later on in the film, he comes out of the tank, and he's this kind of protoplasmic mass. He's not even human anymore. And, uh, you know, there's also a kind of a love uh, element to the film, his wife is, uh, you know, witnessing all of this. And as you can imagine, she's not very pleased. You think all the things you've done that your wife wasn't happy with, it probably wasn't going into a tank and coming out as a protoplasmic mass. Anyway, it's her love that brings him back um, to humanity. And so the film is this wonderful exploration of the limits of humanity and our consciousness. Let's jump right back into the music, though, because it's really fantastic. I think you did a a great job of scoring all the amazingly weird things that are going on in the film. This is going to be from a concert version of the music that John did. This is called Three Hallucinations. We're going to hear Movement One, Sacrifice, Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra with Joanne Folletta conducting. Music there. That was the movement Sacrifice from Three Hallucinations, which is a concert version of the music for the film Altered States by John Croyano. We are conductor Joanne Folletta with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. What a fantastic piece. We heard so many things there. The very beautiful, quiet movement in the beginning, and then as the well, as the hallucination gets going and gets into gets into high gear there, so does the music. You might have heard just a snatch of a hymn there called Rock of Ages. If you didn't, let's just listen to this a little bit. You know, I think you can pick it out. Thank you. You know the hymn, Rock of Ages, I think it's very distinct there, but it becomes really prevalent in the second movement, which is called Hymn. Here's John to explain the symbolism behind it. Jessup, the hero's
0: father, was obsessed with religion, and uh, it's been a burden to him. And he has these horrible fantasies of his father and the Bible and a seven-headed goat and being throat being slashed, and the whole wild and cruel world of orthodox religion. And Rock of Ages was the theme, I thought, that, first of all, most people would know, and second of all, symbolized steadiness of that religion compared with the world that the hero was going to go into in his isolation tank, which was anything but steady, which took him in transformed him into... Um, Uh, A a, a prehistoric man and in which the entire heavens collided. So I thought those are two wonderful foils. So the second movement of the orchestral piece is the sections of hallucinatory versions of Rock of Ages, and they're glued together by a piano and organ, which is not in the um, film at all. Piano and organ version, a kind of Baptist hymn version of Rock of Ages with the piano purposely tuned out of tune and a Hammond organ.
1: Let's have a listen. This is hymn, the second movement of three hallucinations from altered states. We're going to fade that down because it goes right into the third movement, and I want to feature that in just a moment. That was the second movement of Three Hallucinations from Altered States by John Corleano hymn, and the hymn that he used as the basis for that was Rock of Ages. I think it's very, very clear, and we heard him talking about why he chose to use that, what the symbolism in the film is at that moment. We're going to listen now to the third movement of the Three Hallucinations, Ritual. And in this one, the texture of the orchestra is at its absolute thickest. I mean, everyone is playing. It's, it's really incredible to think about all of those notes on the page. So I asked John how he got that very distinct sound. The real problem with, with Altered States was there were millions of notes to
0: be written to create these wild sonorities that the piece demanded. I mean, the movie really needed you to be quite excessive and um, very notey. And so I took a piece of paper and I put it on the um, piano stand, and I wrote on the top of it, motion sonority. Motion sonority means that with a single symbol, you set into motion a sonority that moves, that does something. For example, a trill is an example of motion sonority. You just put TR on it, and yet you hear you hear the two notes being trilled, or a tremolo is motion sonority. Uh, Penderewski has some variants of motion sonority in his work, and I developed my own variants, too. The one that I'm happiest with, and I've been using ever since, is enclosing two notes in a box. And the box can mean several things, in, and, and this is a technique that I developed myself that I really think works very, very well. Um, if the box around those notes has nothing above or below it, it's just like a two half notes or whatever enclosed in a box, then it's a half-tone cluster between and including the outer notes. The idea is the box means halftone cluster. Now, once you put symbols over the box, the box can be several different things. For example, I use the infinity symbol above the box to indicate that the players wander between and including the notes of the box and when you have any, any more than three or more players doing that, it is a very eerie sound, and you control its parameters. It's high and low, but actually what happens in the middle is random and is always changing.
1: Let's have a listen, then. This is Joanne Folletta conducting the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra in Movement 3, Ritual of Three Hallucinations from Altered States by John Corleano. Folletta leading the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra in the third movement of the three hallucinations from altered states. That was Ritual. I think you can really hear what John Corliano was talking about there in the the, the texture painting. I mean, this incredibly thick texture where everybody's trilling or, or uh, they have motion in some way, the motion sonority that he was describing. Again, I, I know the film so well that I, I can always picture exactly what's happening in the film. and you know, I have no idea how I would score these incredible hallucinations. I think he did such a, a wonderful job. And you have a a once-in-a-lifetime chance here in Chicago on Tuesday, April 23rd at 7 o'clock p.m. Stephen Burns and the Fulcrum Point New Music Project is going to perform the score to Altered States live to a screening of the film at the Harris Theater. I mean, this is just an unbelievable opportunity. You know, we do get the chance to see scores performed live to films, but they're they're often, they've been done a lot. The conductors know the cues. They know how it all lines up. There are click tracks or something, uh, you know, but we've got... Stephen Burns really doing quite a high wire act here. I mean, it's just an amazing thing to do this live, even just to navigate the waters to get the permission to do it, let alone to actually line it up correctly live. And the composer John Coriano will be there. So this is really, truly, I I don't think I'm overstating it, a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to see this fabulous music performed live at the Harris Theater. I'll definitely be there, and I hope that you're able to make it too. again. That's Tuesday, April 23rd at 7 o'clock p.m. at the Harris Theater. You can get tickets on Fulcrum Point's website, fulcrumpoint.org. This is all part of a little mini celebration for John Corleano's 75th birthday. There are several events happening around town. The Gaudete Brass Quintet is performing music of John's. The uh, Chicago Chamber Musicians have a wonderful concert on April 24th, Wednesday, at Gons Hall in Roosevelt University, and they'll be doing a lot of his chamber music. Again, he'll be present at that concert as well. One of the pieces that the chicago chamber musicians will be doing on that concert is a two piano piece called chiaroscuro that's an italian term from the renaissance that the artists were using to describe the interplay of light and shadow it was a really fascinating thing that they incorporated into their artworks and it's a concept that has really intrigued a lot of composers too and what coriano does in his piece to illustrate this concept is he has two pianos one is a quarter tone flat from the other And you may have heard some out-of-tune kind of sounds in the three hallucinations, especially movements one and two. So this is clearly a sound that he is attracted to. So I asked him specifically about this out-of-tune quality.
0: You really can get some very beautiful uh, sounds from the two pianos playing in quarter tones. And very often a lyrical phrase will progress down in quarter tones instead of half tones. And it's eerie and hyper-romantic. And what I wanted to try to do was to write a piece not where the quarter tones were used to make clusters and harsh sounds, but actually used to make beautiful sounds.
1: This is movement number two, Shadows of Chiaroscuro by John Corleano. Uh Shadows, Movement 2 of Chiaroscuro by John Corleano. As you can hear, one of the pianos is actually detuned. It's a quarter-tone flat from the other, producing that very beautiful sound that Corleano describes as hyper-romantic. You can hear that piece performed live on Wednesday, April 24th at 7.30 p.m. at Roosevelt University in Gons Hall by the Chicago Chamber Musicians. And this is part of a little mini-festival here in Chicago celebrating the 75th birthday of John Corleano. So he will be present at that event. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. On today's program, I'm talking with John Corleano about some of his music that will be performed on a mini festival here in Chicago celebrating his 75th birthday. You can find out more information about the show on our Facebook page or on our website at relevanttones.com. Well, a very important piece that will be performed on April 24th by the Chicago Chamber Musicians is the Sonata for Violin and Piano, and I say that this is an important piece because it was composed when Corleano was only 26 years old, and uh, it won first prize at the Spoleto Festival in Italy, and a lot of commissions soon followed after that, and it's really what put him on the map, um, so it was it was really a career-defining piece in many respects. And you may know that his father, John Corleano Sr., was the concertmaster of the New York Philharmonic for many many years so obviously a very fantastic violinist so i do think that it's relevant that the piece that put the younger colliano on the map was written for violin when i was talking to john i asked him what's it like growing up in the uh family of somebody so talented and you know probably he's not going to grow up and want to be a violinist that doesn't normally happen (laughs) Um, you think of ellis marsalis the wonderful pianist his sons grew up to play anything but piano uh, so I, when I talk to him, just, what's it like to uh, grow up with such a great performer as a father? And did you want to be a performer or, you know, did you want to be a composer? I used to uh, sit in the green room in Carnegie Hall when he played
0: concertos with the orchestra, you know, knowing every note and shivering and bending over at the difficult passages, you know, so I knew I wouldn't be a performer because it, there was no question I wouldn't step on that stage. But I loved music, and I used to improvise. My mother was a piano teacher, gave me two lessons. We had a fight, so I never learned to play the piano accurately. I never learned the scales and all that kind of stuff that you really should know. So I improvised and listened to the Philharmonic, and then the birth of the LP record really was the thing that um, made me want to be a composer. Because I had uh, a large Klipsch cabinet, 15-inch uh, woofer, and, uh, you know, uh, tweeters, and and although it was monaural, it was a magnificent sound, and uh, Capitol had a full-dimensional sound recording then of Copeland's Billy the Kid. And I got it, and of course I played the gunfight scene because of the bass drum that was disturbing my neighbors and giving me great pleasure. Um, and then I started listening to the Copeland and thinking, how did he get a simple C major chord to sound completely fresh? What did he do? He spaced it differently. How did he space it? And I'd go to the piano and try and figure out the spacings, and then I got the score. And I did that with Copeland, and then I went on to, you know, Bernstein, and and then I went on to Piston and uh, lots of other composers, uh, Barber and... Menin and
1: Bill Schumann, and all of them taught me so much. Well, let's have a listen to this great piece that put uh, composer John Corleano on the map. This is the Sonata for Violin and Piano. We're going to hear movements two and four, and this is a really historic recording. It's off of a disc called John Corleano Early Works. We have his father, John Corleano Sr., performing on violin with Ralph Votepec Piano. Music by a composer who's clearly not afraid to write lyrical, dynamic, rhythmic, tonal passages. John Corleano, that was two movements, movement two and movement four of his Sonata for Violin and Piano. This is from 1963, and it's a time when most composers were going the complete opposite direction. Atonal serial music was uh, by far the most popular thing, so a very brave thing for such a young man to write a piece completely in the opposite direction. We heard a very historic recording there with the composer's father, John Corleano Sr., on violin, accompanied by Ralph Vodapek, piano. You can hear this work performed live on Wednesday, April 24th in Gons Hall at Roosevelt University at 7.30 p.m. for the Chicago Chamber Musicians. Again, this is part of a little mini celebration of the composer's 75th birthday going on here in Chicago. Gonna to return to Altered States, which is, uh, in my mind, uh, really a monumental event and part of the celebration. Stephen Burns of the Fulcrum Point New Music Ensemble has uh, probably in a moment, uh, perhaps inspired by hallucination, decided to take on this monumental task of performing the film score live. I mean, really, what uh, what an amazing thing to do. It's going to be such an event. That is on Tuesday, April 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Harris Theater for Music and Dance. Tickets available at fulcrumpoint.org. Let's have a listen to the love theme. I describe this on Facebook as the classic story of a woman who stands by her man even as he devolves into a protoplasmic mass. <laughs> this is the love theme by John Corleano from the movie Altered States. We heard the love theme from the movie Altered States by John Corleano, Uh, really different music there than what we heard before when when he's hallucinating and everything's going crazy and things are melting and there's all this religious symbology and (laughs) incredible, wonderful visual imagery there. Uh, And I think that, you know, the the message of the movie perhaps is that love conquers all. The last four words of the film are, I love you, Emily, Uh, William Hurt's character telling his wife that he loves her after she literally brings him back from the brink of insanity. And you have a really, I wouldn't even say rare. Probably the only time this will ever happen in the in the history of the world, opportunity to hear this wonderful music performed live to the film at the Harris Theater on Tuesday, April twenty third at seven o'clock p.m. Tickets are available at fulcrumpoint.org. And I think it's amazing that uh, Stephen Nellie did get the rights, but they, he had the, them send him the film with none of the music on it, but all of the sound effects intact. So he will be lining all that music up live on April 23rd. This is part of a mini-festival celebrating John Corleano's 75th birthday. He will be present at that event. He will also be present on Wednesday, April 24th, when the Chicago Chamber Musicians take the stage at Roosevelt University at 7.30 p.m. Tickets for that concert are available on their website, chicagochambermusic.org. This is really fantastic that Chicago is celebrating the birthday of one of the most preeminent living composers, John Corleano. I certainly hope you can get out to one or more of these events Thanks for listening, and happy birthday to the master, John Corleano. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McWhorters at WFMT, with special thanks to Brett Lewis. For more information about the program and the artists we've featured, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management, Carol Joins and Abby O'Neill, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm your host, Seth Bosted, and thank you very much for listening.